Before we start this podcast, we would like to take the opportunity to mention that we now have a Patreon page where you can help to support, evolve and continue these compassionate conversations. Please visit patreon.com slash voce dialogues for more information. Welcome everyone to the Voce Dialogues, Voices of Compassionate Evolution. I'm Chloe Goodchild, founder of The Naked Voice, and this is our new online community where we are exploring, deepening, and evolving our awareness of the transforming power of compassion. Enjoy these new dialogues with a wide range of artists, musicians, writers, and philosophers, social entrepreneurs, and sacred activists. They are all visionaries, transforming lives through the art of conscious creative expression with practices inspired by their own unique life experience. The Voce Dialogues are dedicated to the compassionate evolution of life on Earth. Welcome everyone to another Voce Dialogue and it is my great pleasure to be in conversation today with the wonderful Andy and Jonathan Goldman. Hi guys. Hello Chloe. Hey Chloe. And it is equally wonderful to be here today with you Chloe. Thank you very much. What a blessing. Real blessing. I've been so looking forward to this. Obviously, many people listening will be very aware of you because you really are pioneers in this field of sound and consciousness. But for those of you that may be just about to hear who these remarkable beings are for the first time, I'm just going to read a little bit of a bio of both of them. So Jonathan Goldman is an international authority and pioneer in the field of sound healing. He is a renowned writer, a musician and a teacher. Jonathan is the author of several books, including The Divine Name, which was the 2011 Visionary Award for the Best Alternative Book of the Year, and also The Seven Secrets of Sound Healing. And both of those are Hay House publications. Jonathan was also a Grammy nominee. His award-winning recordings include Chakra Chants and The Divine Name. Jonathan is the founder and director of the Sound Healers Association and CEO of Spirit Music. In the spring of 2011, Jonathan was named 100 of the most spiritually influential living people. Now, I'm quite interested by the way that I just said that. He was named as one of 100 of the most spiritually influential living people. He's not kind of manifesting as a hundred people in one lifetime. Not yet. <laughs> not yet, but what do we know? <laughs> and that was thanks to Watkins Mind Body Spirit magazine. Andy Goldman is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in holistic counseling and sound therapy. Andy is the director of the Healing Sounds seminars and co-director of the Sound Healers Association. She is a musician, a teacher, a sound healer, award-winning author herself, and the wife and partner of beloved Jonathan Goldman. The two of them, Jonathan and Andy, together have co-authored Chakra Frequencies, which is the winner of the Visionary Award for the Best Alternative Health Book of the Year, and their new best-selling The 
humming effect. Now, if you don't have this book already, you must buy it instantly after listening to this Voce dialogue. The Humming Effect, which is really, oh, it's such a brilliant book. I've just read it. This one, the 2018 Gold Visionary Award for Best Health and Healing Book, and that was with Inner Traditions. Together, Jonathan and Andy have dedicated their lives to the path of service, helping awaken and empowering others with the ability of sound to heal and transform. And their website is healingsounds.com. This is just such a joy for me to be in conversation with you both. As always with these Voce Dialogues, I love just simply to ask the question, what is compassion? What does it mean to you and how has it shown up in your lives? Well, it's, uh, th that question can take a lifetime to answer. And I'm going to actually turn that over to my beloved wife, Andy, to first get her hit on it. All right. Uh, and then perhaps <laughs> add a little bit more. You know, Chloe, that is such a beautiful question because compassion is such an important quality, an important way to embody our lives and what compassion actually means to me. It's interesting. We were talking before the show went on that you have Virgo rising. I have a son in Virgo and our key word for that is service. And for me, when I am in service, in love and in light, I feel that deep, deep sense of compassion and I just want to share one thing before I turn it over to okay, Jonathan. Great. As you know, Chloe, we have a beautiful mutual friends, Ed and Deb Shapiro. And I want to just bring them into the conversation for a brief moment because they created some affirmation words for the day cards many, many years ago. And the card that I just always remember is today I will focus on compassion. And here's what they say compassion is, which I truly believe. Compassion is the passion that arises from the wish that all beings be free from mm -hmm. suffering. And to me, that is the most succinct way, really, that I can share compassion and what it means. And there's so many layers and so many levels to compassion that we could spend hours talking about it. But I want to share this program with my husband. <laughs> well, and I can only agree with all those things. And on a level, uh, we were recently talking with our beloved uh, Tibetan uh, chant master son, Lama Tashi, and we were talking about compassion. And uh, he was just stating that one of the most important things about compassion is not only feeling, if you like, empathy with the other person, but the willingness and the desire to help release them and free them from their suffering. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such an extraordinary, as Andy was saying, being of service and helping people. I think we need to do more than just simply feel sorry or sad or feel whatever resonant with somebody who's in a condition, mm -hmm. but we really need to try to relieve them of whatever the condition is. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you both clearly really embody this understanding. Many people will know about your teachings, about how you are in the world and how you have touched so many of us with your uh, programs and your sound awareness skills and your recordings and books and so on. I would be fascinated for people to hear also how this showed up for you personally in your respective lives. Was it something that happened? Did you come in with this like as far back as you can remember or was there a specific circumstances that prompted this? How far back does this connection with sound as a vehicle for compassion within your lives, how far back does that go? Wow, many, many, many years. (laughs) On a level, it's really difficult because as you begin to experience sound and music as something other than an ego-oriented thing to entertain other people, which is great, but, you know, get into more of the sound as an entrainment phenomena that is shifting their consciousness, their vibrational field with sound, co-creating it together, then that awareness, uh, you realize immense power and at the same time responsibility that we have in terms of being able to work with other people to uh, help embody them with the aspect of using sound for healing and transformation. And Chloe, with my background as a holistic psychotherapist, and working with sound, I think that there's a very important component here. And that is that we first must, within our own selves, Mm. cultivate that compassion, that loving kindness. We must really honor ourselves. And I, and I mean that certainly not in an egoic way or a narcissistic way or any of that. It is once we can begin to love ourselves and to heal some of those deep woundings that we all have, you know, just by virtue of being human and begin to love and honor ourselves, then we are able to embody that and send that out into all the beings that we come into contact with. And one of the ways that I personally have experienced that is through sound. And when we are toning, when we are even humming, which is such a beautiful way of releasing that inner stress and bringing ourselves into balance. That is a beautiful way of beginning to heal and love ourselves and thus feel our inner compassion and send that out. I think that's so beautiful, Andy, what you said about uh, the fact that we need to first love and honor ourselves because so many people have issues. Mm And, you know, Chloe, it's so interesting because I I find that sometimes there's a dichotomy between it's very easy to talk the talk. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to walk the walk. And, you know, to be able to walk the walk, even with compassion, the first step, as you said so beautifully, my dear, is to basically embody compassion and loving the self because a lot of people have a lot of issues we're all born with them we go through crazy things in our life and it's a it's a challenge and yet it's perhaps one of the great uh, phenomenal things that we can overcome is to really get into that love of ourselves and then we can love others yeah and and i use the word cultivate because it is something that we 
cultivate. It's something that we work on. It's something that, you know, there's, there's layers and layers and layers of issues and things that we are wanting to heal, things that we're beginning to heal. And over time, you know, when we're holding that intention of loving ourselves and loving kindness towards others and compassion, you know, over time, we begin to feel it more and more and more. And I think actually one of the the biggest aspects that I've come across is actually forgiveness, Mm. forgiving ourselves and being able to really go into that depth of healing is wonderful to cultivate compassion. Mm. I think, Chloe, as, as Andy is talking about that, boy, and I'm jumping ahead to, I don't know if it's a question you have or whatnot, but how can we utilize mm-hmm. sound or consciousness mm-hmm. to enhance this? I and think I- this time is, it's more imperative now than ever somehow, isn't it? That this is coming forward, that sound is really offering people this possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking in a quick nutshell, just to share, because I like to sort of break things down. Uh, one of them, of course, is the sound, when, whether it's the mantric form of uh, Omane Padme Hong or Omane Pime Hong in the Tibetan tradition or whatnot, or even its abbreviation, which is the ah sound, which is if you like the encodement of uh, compassion and wisdom in the uh, Tibetan tradition. So those are sounds that we can make that will help shift and change us uh, on a deeper level, we can enter, if you like, an altered uh, state of consciousness as well as embodying, you know, with our intention, the beings of compassion, whether it's the, uh, you know, Avalokitesh far in the Buddhist tradition or the Christ energy in the Christian uh, tradition, that's one. And the other one is, and this is fairly, you know, it's fairly new, uh, you know, in terms of it isn't, but it is, uh, the, the whole aspect of using this heart-brain coherence, where you basically get your heart and your brain into a state of synchronicity or a, a synchronism and coherence by doing some deep breathing and then being in love and appreciation that literally amplifies the electromagnetic field of the heart and the brain 50, 500 or more times. And then when you add sound that, it amplifies it even more, which is you know why we say that the various prayers on our planet are all vocalized for the most part. They're spoken, whispered, sung, or chanted, but that's because sound amplifies the power of prayers and meditation and this whole field. And I think it may be as simple and as important as that. So those two, if you like, venues of how do we go into sound. And what this is a great place for me to just sing Jonathan's praises because back in the 80s, Jonathan created a formula, frequency plus intent equals healing. So the sounds that we are making coupled with intention equals healing. And even, you know, when we're chanting Omani Padme Home, we're chanting to the Avalokitesvara of compassion. We're chanting to Tara, the embodiment of compassion, Om Tara. These are all beautiful ways to incorporate sound into healing. 
But it's lovely what you're saying, because what I'm so aware of what you've both done over these last several decades is that you have distilled the essence, the sacred essence of the lineages that have been so influential, the sacred lineages, and then made them available in a more accessible way to people that might never have gone anywhere near any of these lineages consciously, but you've you've brought them into a more palatable format that enables people and then distilling it to the point of humming itself, which really is the most accessible for people. I suppose the institutionalization of these extraordinarily potent languages of consciousness have in some way strangely pushed a lot of people away. Certainly for myself, I found the Christian church as much as I loved my dad, who was was a priest and then a bishop, you know, and I'm very grateful for having been able to absorb on a regular basis the, the potency of the Christian logos, if you like, and the Christ consciousness, the understanding of that. But nevertheless, I just couldn't really tolerate the way that understanding was being delivered in an institutionalized format. And of course, you know, I remember being with Randas in Italy. I remember we took him there once to the the Green Monastery in Pisa, the Tibetan monastery there. And I've never forgotten watching. So these monks, we were with them. We were able just to be present with them. They were chanting, chanting, chanting. And it was so ordinary. They were just chanting Tara's name or they were chanting Avalokiteshvara. They were, you know, and then people would be bringing in tea and they'd be drinking tea and biscuits and they'd carry on. It's like, it was as if they were sort of breaking down, you know, the divides that we've made, for example, between the sort of the social field and the so-called spiritual field, which have two separate places. And they seem to have collapsed them into one practice so that you're a human being embodying sacred knowledge whilst you're drinking tea, you know, and talking about, you know, ordinary, just aware of ordinary life around you. And of course, I suppose within the Buddhist tradition, of course, that is so, um, such a high priority, isn't it? It's obviously service to others, as you were saying earlier, and the alleviation of suffering. But somehow this awareness that I sense all three of us have been involved in for so long in our own respective ways of bringing sound out of its more sort of formalized or institutionalized context into more kind of open fields, into marquees, into conference halls, into, you know, houses, and just made the whole thing more accessible, more ordinary, into our intense retreats and so on that we've both been involved in for many years, so that people can just have the freedom to experience these extraordinary languages of consciousness without feeling they've got to suddenly become, quote, religious. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what I'm so inspired by your work. And and I'm, I'm aware that we've probably given a huge amount of energy to this without even thinking about it. It just seemed like that's what we had to do. There wasn't any choice about it. Just thinking about a couple of different things. I mean, so many things are going through my mind right now. For example... I think it's so important, and thank you so much for that, if you like, concept of being the distillation. I want to, I want to talk about the hum for a second, but be, yes. before even that, I want to talk about just the idea that do you not agree that if somebody's doing a chant or making a sound, that's mm-hmm. great, but if they're doing a chant or making a sound with a consciousness encoded upon the sound, everything changes. Right. 
Oh, I'd love you to say more about that. I love that. Well, just for example, I, I was thinking, um, I know Healing Sounds Intensive, which were like these events that were like close to 10 days long. And for about 12 hours, hours a day, we'd be in sound with 100 people. It was magnificent, but I'm not going to get into it. But we'd be doing chanting at night to embody the teachings of the day. And so we would always do the Omane Padme Home chant, oftentimes with a dozen people playing musical instruments and perhaps Lama Tashi chanting with us, etc. But then after that, we'd be in silence and I'd lead people in this very lovely, easy guided meditation where you'd visualize the Avalokitesvara, the Buddha of divine compassion in front of you. And they're feeding and exchanging light and love through sound and everything with this being. And then it comes into you and comes into all beings. And that was really the game changer in terms of having done the chant for an hour was brilliant. Everybody's blissed out beyond belief. But then all of a sudden to add this other thing, it becomes real and it is a life changer. Oh, I love that. I love that. You see now, exactly what you're describing now, I would love you to share more about what scientific and experiential wisdom has has come through your uh, shared research around the humming effect because you couldn't get more accessible to sound for absolutely everyone than that well chloe thank you for that question because that is specifically the reason that we decided in the first place to write a book on a sound as simple as the hum and what we wanted to do what our major goal was, was really getting sound out to the people mm. in a way that they could all participate in, they could all be a part of. And we looked at each other and we went, well, what is, what should we write this book about? And we just went, mm. Mm. yes, indeed, <laughs> let's do the hum. And it is so it is so effective and it's all all inclusive because everybody can hum and and what was so interesting when you were asking about the scientific you know uh information that we had we knew chloe that we had to have the very first chapter is nothing but peer-reviewed research into the scientific aspects of working with humming and working with sound. And we knew that in order to be credible, we needed to have that be our first chapter because people would begin to go, hum, hum, what's wrong? Oh, everybody can hum. That is true. However, did everyone know that when you are humming, so many physiological things are happening in our bodies, minds and spirits, and in our physical bodies, our heart rate is lowered, our respiration is lowered, our body is in training with our own internal processes melatonin is released. And of course, one of the most beautiful hormones that is released is oxytocin. That is the trust hormone. So you make sound together with somebody and all the barriers between you two break down. What a blessing. And, you know, and that unifying feeling becomes more present and getting back to our original topic of compassion, what better way than to feel united and not separate from the world and from each other. And humming can do that. 
And just as a thought, another thing that happens is you get nitric oxide release. Nitric oxide's gotten pretty big now. It's a vasodilator that relaxes and widens our blood vessels. And it's also an antiviral agent, wink, wink, you know, which, you know, so a lot of people have like hummed. And, you know, we're not talking about necessarily humming zippity doo da, but really humming just on one tone with intention. That type of thing. We call that conscious humming when you particularly close your eyes and do it. But that can literally be used for people uh, very successfully with the treatment of things such as sinusitis. So that's very, very effective. And really bottom line is we figured, okay, if people thought that there was something scientifically important about humming, they might take it seriously. And I'm just going to jump for another section. I'm going to roll now. A couple of days ago, we were reading Pantanjali's uh, Yoga Sutras, which you know is very ancient. And this was Swami Satchidananda's translation, but it basically, I'm going to codify the uh, rather extensive teachings, which was the original sound of creation was pranava, the humming of prana. They had to give it a name, so they called it Om. So literally, the Om came from the mm, because it's hard to go, okay, everybody, let's go. Mm. Instead, let's say, everybody, let's go. Om. And there, there you go. So the original sound of creation was originally perceived as being a hum, and that then got transcribed into being the Om. Fascinating, huh? My God, it is just incredible because it is so unutterably simple. I mean, you cannot get more simple and more profound because that just takes you home, doesn't it? It just takes you back to the source, basically. Oh, absolutely. And it reminds me of what you were just sharing, Chloe, you know, being at the monastery and the monks, you know, drinking tea while they're, you know, in their chants and bringing it into everyday experience, everyday life. It's so, oh my goodness, it's just so full and rich to be able to do that. And so humming is really a great place to begin. (laughs) Do you sometimes wonder how did any of this happen in our lives? I mean, we've, we've obviously all led pretty unorthodox lives, you know, compared to what most people do with proper jobs going to offices or whatever. And this calling, it's like a, it's it's a calling, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember going right back to childhood just remembering it's like what is this life about what is it for who am i what am i doing here and none of these questions these really deep inquiry questions came into my schooling into my education and i remember i had to get pneumonia and have three months off in order to for my body to have time to kind of investigate this do you know what i mean i remember going to live with my grandmother for three months because i had this uh pneumonia which was pretty horrendous Mm. Uh, but actually it changed my life because it gave me time to be with my grandmother who it turned out had a tibetan guide which i didn't know she kept that under the table because (laughs) <laughs> you know, because it was pretty far out. Imagine we're talking England. And it wasn't <laughs> you know. Bukowski, was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Amazing. And she had this connection with birds, with frequencies. And slowly I started to become aware of the elemental nature of sound itself. No one taught us about this at school. I remember going back to school and being my dead teacher's office and saying, why is everyone teaching me everything but what I really want to know about. Where does this come from? I mean, I was obviously a really, you know, considered to be a really precocious, impossible child, you know, that somehow couldn't just do what she was told, do the rote teachings and all of that. 
I mean, I'm interested to know what that was like for you. Chloe, when you were sharing your experiences of growing up, it really reminded me. Mine were quite similar on a level. And I was always, what is this all about? Who am I? I mean, this was when I was really young. Like, And I remember when I was in my early 20s, just the whole metaphysical realm opened up to me. And I started studying at a place called the Atlanta Institute of Metaphysics. And, you know, but I was really. definitely coloring outside of the lines. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of done that my whole life, which, you know, led me into certainly working with sound in, you know, this more powerful, profound way that Jonathan and I have dedicated our lives to. But I think that we do have a calling. And I think that it is the soul's journey. Mm. And, you know, there is absolutely no judgment on that. We don't know who, what, where, why, or how. But I do feel that we are guided and doors open for us when we are really in that flow and in that connection with our higher selves, if you will. And I know Jonathan had a a great story too that he wanted to share around this. (laughs) I I have a story, Chloe, which takes place when I'm about 29 years old. I've always been into esoteric, strange, spiritual, mystical things ever since I can remember. I was reading books on UFOs when I was eight years old or on Yetis or on uh, out-of-body stuff. So it's always been there for me. But there I was, 29 years old, in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm strapping on a electric guitar to get on stage after a break with my band. I start playing, and I'm looking out at the audience, and all of a sudden, I have this thought. And the thought is one that I've been performing probably professionally for 15 years before that as well. And yet the thought I'd never had, and the thought was, gee, I wonder if music could be used to make people feel good because I became aware of a lot of negativity and violence in the club due to the intoxicants and alcohol that people are imbibing. But I also realized that the music that I was creating at the time was adding to this. And I wondered what if music can be used to help people feel good. And from there, it shifted about 10 degrees. And within the week was, I wonder if sound can be used to heal. The universe opened up. I was introduced to a woman named Sarah Benson, who became a dear, dear beloved friend and mentor of Andy and myself. And Sarah incidentally said, she was the first person, she said, the true sound of healing is love. And I just will say this again, because it's such a great embodiment of everything we believe. And I know you too. The true sound of healing is love. And so we basically... uh, started working with Sarah and she was just, she's on the angelic realm, but uh, she's still, she's beaming into us now, into all of us now. And it's just a, a wondrous thing. The idea, the importance that sound is an incredible healer and love is an incredible healer. And you put them together and you've got an unbeatable combination. That is basically the essence of all of this, isn't it? It's just such a relief, isn't it? That the language of love is being interpreted through new science. And as you were referring to earlier, the new science is coming in and that these old separate disciplines, schools of thought, uh, those dimensions are collapsing. They are integrating, you know, so that people can enter the language of love through the scientific doorway or through the more spiritual practice doorway or through the therapeutic doorway. And all ends up, as you rightly say, in the same place. Chloe, I just have to quick jump in and say, from our belief, as indeed the whole 
if you like, interest in sound broadens and emerges into mainstream, I think there's a lot of uh, really interest in the concept of frequency. And I think that's great, but I think that there's also a lot of misinformation in terms of specific frequencies being better than others. And there are a few frequencies that people have latched onto as being the frequency of love or something like that. I'm just going to say nonsense. I could go further into it if you need uh, further clarification. Very welcome. If you want to just go a bit further with that. It would be a lovely place to complete, actually, because... All right, just to say that if a mother holding a baby and singing a loving lullaby to the baby had to hold up a guitar tuner or whatnot to make sure she was singing in a particular <laughs> uh, frequency or key, mm. what a terrible uh, yeah. thing that would be. And how untrue is that? Because you know any frequency, any note, any keynote, if it's done with the energy of love. Love is not a frequency. Love is a feeling. They are different things. And it's important that we do not get locked in to codifying that one particular... It's like saying, well, the color aquamarine is the most healing color or whatnot. Every color has its purpose. Every color is a beautiful color. Every sound is an extraordinary smorgasbord of the divine. None of the divine beings want to be limited to a particular frequency sound or note and i think we can safely say intention is so important and going back to frequency plus intent equals healing oh my goodness there is so much more to share here with this this is so profound and so important for people to hear you know and this may be new for some even still but i really appreciate that you have dissolved that kind of myth around you know 428 or 523 whatever it is 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 Mm -hmm. no one you know or unless you sing middle c or something you're Mm -hmm. not ever going to experience universal compassion (laughs) i mean (laughs) i i bow to you both i bow to your work and to your just incredible journey and your embodiment of of compassion the two of you there would be a whole other conversation probably to have about your relationship itself you know and and how that has contributed to this understanding but i just thank you both so much for just for being here for this precious short while and i sense we need to continue the conversation we've really flung the door wide open and bless you both oh and chloe it has been our joy to share this time with you and you our dear friend are the embodiment of love and (laughs) compassion thank you for all that you do and for this beautiful show we give thanks we give thanks we give thanks blessings blessings on both thank you so much thank you everyone for this deepening listening through sound into compassion Hello, this is Tim Chalice, Naked Voice Administrator and Editor of this podcast. We're delighted to share a special gift with you, a track from Jonathan's The Lost Chord album. With thanks to Jonathan, this is Call of Compassion. Compassion.